What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, and back with me, Elliot Niblock and Polly Costell. After you both bowed out on me earlier, but yeah. now the gang's the gang's back together. We're going to talk about new managers coming into the Premier League. Well, new old managers, and then they're all old. They're all old. They're all old. But, you know, the, the merry-go-round of managers in the Premier League. And then, of course, what happened over the weekend as uh, City, they keep winning, man. And then we're going to give some props to the newcomers as they all are all doing well so far in the season. But first and foremost, Slavon Bilic got sacked by West Ham. And now everything points to David Moyes taking over. Sky Sports, they uh, say that he will be confirmed as the new West Ham manager on Tuesday. So depending on when you listen to this, he might already be the new manager. So reports are a six-month interim contract, and I think that's smart. I'm not sure that David Moyes is the best hire. I want to get your guys' take on this, but I definitely feel like giving him six months, that's at least a good move by West Ham. It was... I, it, there were there were there were worse appointments that they could have made. There are also better appointments that they could have made. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, who would you have rather have seen them hire? Someone. Like I don't know. Take a chance. <laughs> take uh, you know. Take a chance. Um, it, it, the, first of all, the way they handled it. Like we knew David Moyes was in yesterday, and then it was like, uh, so we're recording this Monday night, and it was like late Monday afternoon when or late Monday afternoon American time, which is Eastern for anybody that's not in the Eastern time zone, that's American time. When all of a sudden they announced that, that Slavon Bilic was fired. And I was like, yeah, but like we knew that yesterday, like that was just kind of rude to Slavon to like keep him hanging like that. Like you pretty much had to like write up the entire contract for David Moyes and get him to sign it before he actually signed. So that was handled really weird, but this has to be music to the ears of the agent for a one Darren Gibson because once January comes and David Moy starts to bring in his players you know Darren Gibson is getting a phone call right Oof. away what is he up to now he's playing for Sunderland in the championship and by playing I mean he's sitting on the bench for most games but mm-hmm. uh, occasionally <laughs> occasionally he comes in as a sub and sometimes he starts a game <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I was reading, you know, what went wrong for Bilic. Uh, Sky Sports had a good article up uh, yesterday. No, earlier today. Yeah, earlier today. And, you know, if you look at it, his first season he came in, they did extremely well. It was a, you know, record, joint record top finish for them ever in the Premier League. And, Paulie, you said this a couple of episodes ago that you almost don't want to come in and be too good your first season in charge. Yeah. And That's how you know. When, when, when people are remembering my takes episode, episodes later, you know I was onto something. Yeah. And I mean, and then you had the, the whole move to, you know, the London Stadium. You didn't have the advantage of the boiling ground. Um, and, you know, and then the signings have, haven't really been there too. Because if you look at it, you know, he brought in... Chicharito! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, if you, if you look at the people like Feguli, Ashley Fletcher, Arbeloa, Northveit, Snodgrass, they all disappeared. 
They were brought in summer of 2016 all to have they're they're all well, gone now. Remember what we discussed over the summer that stat of like they've hired they've signed like 21 strikers like since I forgot what year it was but recent and of those 21 like 3 of them have scored more than 3 goals for the team. And then you know they brought in some bigger names this summer, you know, Joe Hart, Sabaleta, Arnautovic, Hernandez and Arnautovic has been awful. Hernandez, I mean, I would still give him a passing grade, I guess. Sabaleta, he's getting up there in age, so you can't expect too much. Yeah, right, let's break this down right yeah. there. Zabaleta, old. Like, if Zabaleta could still play, Man City would have kept him. Mm-hmm. You know, they let him go because they were just like, we're not going to use you, and you're not going to hurt us by yeah. playing for somebody else. Um, Chicharito was, we know how how good he can be, but we know where he is at his best. And that is com- in the Premier League. That's coming off the bench. You know, he scored a lot of goals in Germany, but everybody scores goals in Germany. Uh, that's, that's a goal scoring league in the Premier League. He's best coming off the bench. Yeah. And he hasn't really and been giving a- the service. Right. But, but like he's an above that, but he's not someone that can do much with service. He's someone that like when the ball finds him in the box, he puts it in the net and mm-hmm. that's really all he brings to the table. Yeah. Yeah, and then Arnautovic, I mean, their marquee all-time record signing. So that. that's the last one is Oof. Arnautovic, two years ago, really good. What did he do last year? He wasn't good. No. But, like, we went through our scoring predictions last year every week, and we were like, oh, Arnautovic, Stoke, they're going to be good. And then it was like, oh, what? like we got fooled by this thing again for the 24th week in a row. Well, yeah, because he you didn't know. want to be there. He clearly did not want to be there. He was looking for a way out, and that definitely affected his performances on the pitch. And, um, people, and then people the, have not wanted to be places before and have played poorly, but not that poorly. Yeah, and then and also, yes, you know, have more than one year on your resume mm-hmm. before you're going to splash all that cash on someone. So you could say, you could say um, he didn't want to be there last year. I could say. Well, he only had one good year. The same way that we could look at Dimitri Payet and say, yeah, the guy caught fire for a year. Yeah, and that's what partially you... why... Like, Slavon Vilic was the Dimitri Payet whisperer. Yeah, he, but... got, <laughs> he got Payet yeah. to, to see his potential. And then after that, it was just like the guy went down the tank. And remember well, a couple weeks ago mm. when I sent you his, um, his international career resume and it was like... He made like six appearances a year, scored like maybe a goal in his first four years. Then all of a sudden, that two-year span, he, he played 20 times, scored 12 goals or something like that. And yeah. now he's disappeared again. But he's still, I mean, Paye had an enormous, like you said, enormous effect on that team during Bilic's first season. And, exactly. And although he left halfway through the following season, he was still their leading creative offensive weapon. Right. It came so, down to the point that he didn't want to be there, but... You're saying, like, what went wrong for, for Slavin Village? And it's it's two things. And one of them is they moved out of Upton Park. Um, and the other one is, uh, to go back on it, is not don't be too good too fast, but it's you got so – you were so good that first year when you were the Dimitri Pyatt whisperer that the expectations were just much higher. And we, we discussed this a couple weeks ago when we were discussing Watford is and Everton and everything is – when is in today's Premier League, like the expectations maybe get higher when you when you finish eighth. Like, you know, we want to do even better next year, but there's only so far you can go. It took Tottenham so long to break into that top quote four mm-hmm. group, and Liverpool were on the outside looking in for a while, with with the exception of that one Luis Suarez year, 
that now they've broken into to the point that now we have a top six. And that's not an easy six to break into. And, you know, if West Ham could finish seventh consistently for a few years, then maybe eventually they can they can break into that. Or any team, if you can, can finish seventh consistently, maybe one time you'll break into that and stay there, and then the top six will become a top seven. But that doesn't happen overnight. So if you finish eighth, you know, your expectations are like, let's get better. But where is there to go? No, that's totally true. And I mean, and then we got to, you know, look at their defense too. They've allowed the most goals in the league, 23 goals in 11 games. So things have been shambolic at the back, to put it lightly. Uh, so I can I can understand that he was let go. It's too bad because I like him as a, from what I've, you know, read in interviews and seen in interviews and all that. He's a likable person, you know. <laughs> from from the way he's been portrayed. Yeah, I mean, he plays in a rock band. You, I mean, you you gotta love that. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah. So does Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Just saying. And I love Henrik too. So. Um, Speaking of people that stink at their jobs in the year 2017. <laughs> yeah, let's not turn this into a hockey podcast, though. So with Moyes coming in, yeah, well, they should still be good enough to avoid relegation. But right now they're sitting in 18th that's a, that's, a, that's a bold claim. That is a bold claim. Yeah, but you know Moyes is going to be like, okay, let's play very conservative and direct. A lot of long balls on Andy Carroll. And I, yeah. think, I think that okay. could, I think that can be enough to get them how'd above work, the drop zone. How'd that work at Sunderland last year when he had a 15 goal score on his team? But I feel like the West Ham squad is better than the Sunderland squad on paper. Yeah, well, Sam Allardyce got that Sunderland squad to go unbeaten for pretty much the entire last four months of the year. The year before, had a 15 goal score. This team probably maybe has a 15 goal score. I mean, I'm I'm I still think West Ham are going to make it. Even with Moyes. I don't know. He also he also had a United team that won the league the year before that, and he couldn't figure out how to utilize that talent. So, yeah, maybe he has Andy Carroll, and you can play long balls directly, but he had Fellaini at United. He couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It will be interesting, though. And then we've here heard reports that Everton are talking to Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Oh God! Big I, Sam. I hope for I I hope for Blues fans that those reports are false, but they seem to be coming from all angles. I mean, if you're yeah okay, you're currently in such dire straits that you might be in the relegation discussion. But if you have any any ambitions to be a quote unquote big club in the Premiership, then you can't hire Big Sam, whose specialty is keeping the small fish in the big pond. No, but isn't that what they'll have to do to just... I mean, this season, I feel like, is already gone for them. You're, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Is, is Elliot's right. If you want to be a big club, you can't be hiring Big Sam. But right now, look at the predicament that you're in. And yeah. you, need to, you need to call the guy who... Like, this is... This is uh, the J.G. Wet- Wetworth commercial, like, I have a structured settlement and I need cash now. Like, it's, it's, we're, this is the predicament we're in and we need, this is the guy we need to call. Yeah, he's, and, he's a tugboat, not yeah. a destroyer. They need, draw, and, they need draws now. 
Right. They 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 need they need this now because they're in. That's the predicament that they're in. The, the, there's two things to look at here. Is one they bet they must be offering him a ton of money because just a few weeks ago he was like, I ain't coming back to club football because yeah. I ain't dealing with the prima donna players. And guess what? Everton have a ton of them. Two is Crystal Palace. If he signs on with a club team, then he forfeits a lot of money that Crystal Palace owe him. Mm-hmm. So they better. They're obviously. If, if he's in talking with them, um, then I guess he ain't signed. Like, you know, he, they're going to compensate him enough to overcome that money that yeah. he's going to have to forfeit from Crystal Palace. And the third thing is, is I guess he's taking his name out of the running for the U.S. job, which can't Thank be a God. bad thing. <laughs> Thank God. Well, I want to I want to ask you guys both as United supporters what the season's not over, right? Like it could. It, in, in what way is the season not over? There are games to play. Well, um, yeah. okay, we have a top four race. No, but uh, and but we have a relegation battle. Specifically talking about Everton, but what does if like what does this campaign do to Wayne Rooney's legacy? Right, because I, coming into the season, many people thought that Rooney at Everton, like maybe he'll be the catalyst to them actually kicking on and doing what the potential has always, quote-unquote, been there for them to do, pushing for the Champions League. But he's there, and they've had the worst season that they've had in a decade. His legacy at United is, you know, that's still going to be solidified. Well, of course. Yeah, but as as a whole, nah, I think he'll still be fine. He's going to have a couple of years at Everton. You know, he, he's clearly not the player he once was. So, but you think he's he's still got a that he's still got a chance to you know resurrect the crappy overture for his swan song at Goodison. I, I mean, at the best they can hope for is to win a cup trophy, and if they can <laughs> yeah. if they can do that with Rooney, then I still think his time there will will have been successful. Yeah, yeah. I just it's for first me, of all, I the dude's got the dude's got. Uh, the dude's got five goals already this year, which is more than he had at this point last year. Yeah. Second of all, he has uh, he has four goals in the league. Everton has a whole of ten. He has forty percent of their goals. Yeah. So he's he's playing well. Third of all, Everton's best finish ever was the year after they sold Rooney. So. The whole that, that that kind of like oh Rooney's back we're gonna be amazing is more like a is a romantic version of the narrative than like what actually uh, the realistic version. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about their best Premier League finish. Obviously yeah, yeah. they won titles in the '80s and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, their their issue is kind of like you also you bought a couple guys and you kind of bought Rooney to play striker, but he can't play striker. You don't really have a striker because. The other veteran striker they have is kind of terrible. Calvert-Lewin obviously can't play every week. You also bought Gilfie, who's really good, but plays the same position as Rooney. So the whole team's kind of just a mess, and I don't think that's necessarily Rooney's fault. They got Rooney on a free. You obviously have to take that, and because you're not just signing Rooney to be the guy on the field. Obviously, you would you you want him to score at the rate that he's scoring, because that's a good rate. You don't want him to account for 40% of your league goals. No. But, you know, like, everything's kind of being a... So, like, and but really what you signed Rooney for was also that veteran presence 
and that doesn't seem to be translating for it, but does this hurt Rooney's legacy? Probably not. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, we're going to take our first break here. When we get back, we'll take a look at teams at the top of the table. So stick around. Okay, we're back. It's time to take a look at the table. And at the top, it's Manchester City, 31 points, followed by Manchester United and Tottenham, 23 points each. And then in fourth place right now, Chelsea, 22 points. So Manchester City rolling, rolling, rolling at the top. It was a 3-1 win over Arsenal in their latest game. And Elliot, let's get your take out of the way here. What did you make of this way. one? Yeah. Come on. Yep. I'm looking forward to this take. I don't want to get out of the way. I'm looking forward to it. Please tell me how you feel about being even on points and only ahead of Burnley on goal differential. Oh God. Uh, I mean that. I feel like we'll put a pin in that because that that that's a whole other discussion about the state of affairs at Arsenal Football Club this season more broadly. But but that's not related to the game. I mean, in and of itself. I think Arsenal played fairly well. Like, they pressed hard during the first, you know, 10 minutes. They looked pretty good money to get a goal. Overall, Alexis Sanchez, I thought that, you know, the spiel about him maybe not being up for a game at the Etihad with all the rumors and, indeed, pretty concrete links for him to City were kind of BS. But, no, he played wait, terribly. They were, they were, wait, wait. There were what were what were those, for lack of a better term, what were those takes that like he wasn't going to show up for this game? Yeah, exactly. And which I didn't. That's I put, really dumb. That's no, really I agree. Dumb. Because I, you have like Bernardo Silva and all these other guys that play his position. If you want to go to the Etihad, like who are you replacing? Yeah, exactly. And so that's that. That's why I thought like, oh no, he's. He, if anything, he's going to be more motivated. But he had an awful game, just awful. I mean, it it seemed like he. Yeah, he he. It wasn't as though he was tanking intentionally in order to, you know, kind of gussy up in front of his would-be future club. But he just played poorly. But I I never I never have and never will question Alexis Sanchez's commitment once he takes the field. Right? He is a, a professional who loves the game and he always wants to win. But he played bad. And I don't know if he was in his own head. I don't know if the media was in his head. I don't know what was happening, but he had a bad game. I think that, you know... I don't want to interrupt you completely. I just... That happens to be the most fascinating situation to me because just because their manager isn't Jose Mourinho, like, Alexis Sanchez is linked to City for the same reason that everybody gets linked to City, and that's there's a shiny toy out there and he's available. We could buy him. So, like, let's buy him. But... But you look at City and you're just like, why do you want this guy? Like, where would he, like, if you put him anywhere, you're stunting the growth of one of your young guys who's already at the level that can help you contribute. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think that him moving to City makes any sense whatsoever. No. So Wenger was furious afterwards. And, you know, for Kevin De Bruyne, okay, 3 1 City over Arsenal. Kevin De Bruyne's first goal, well worth it. Arsenal should have been caught on the break in the first 90 seconds of the match. They could oh, have been. Oh, we're a whiff that shot so bad. Yeah. No, they, like, they, Arsenal can have no complaints. They were outplayed. Kevin De Bruyne's first goal was great. I think the Sterling penalty decision was 
maybe a soft penalty, but it's not egregious, right? Like I don't have a lot of time for Oliver, but it's borderline. Lacazette comes off the bench. First of all, Lacazette comes off the bench. That's a phrase that I don't ever want to say again this season. Unless, in, you know, unless that he's played another European game in midweek. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous that he did. He scores a goal. The, wait, wait. I need to stop you right here because, first of all, I'm, so I'm glad you said it's it. an offside decision. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm glad you said it, like, right off the bat. Like, I didn't think Arsenal played that poorly. I actually, personally, I thought Arsenal played pretty well. Their final, ball, their balls in the final third were terrible. But and yeah, if Raheem Sterling didn't Raheem Sterling a couple of things, they should have been down three 0 in the first half. But I actually thought they played well, which is a testament to how good Manchester City are. Mm-hmm. Um, and but and and that's exactly what you just said is Arsenal. Like yeah, Arsenal. Like they lost three one. You can have no complaints. And again, like. We both agree they played well and they lost 3-1. You can have no complaints. That's how freaking good Manchester City are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So but they were yeah, City being wasteful while Arsenal are playing well, they still win with a comfortable two goal cushion. And um, I, so Sunday morning, <laughs> one of my friends hit me with it, hit me with it, with the take hotter than Elliot's uh, Giroud is just as good as Harry Kane take. We now have the we now have a hotter one for that when he said, Oh, I looked at the lineup and we're leaving like Arsenal leaving their world class striker on the bench is questionable. And I went, Well, if you left a world class striker on the bench, that implies you have one on the roster. Yeah. Uh, uh, like obviously he's talking about like a Zip, but can you put him in that category? No, you can't. Okay, good. Thank God. Thank God. Because I, I, I honestly, I just, I gave him, I gave him back the uh, crying with tears emoji and stopped talking to him because I'm just like, look, I went, I'd love to have a conversation with you, but you're irrational. Well, I think, I think that it, it is not unreasonable to say that Lacazette might be a world class striker a year from now, but that's a hundred percent unreasonable. No, I think it is. I think it isn't. <laughs> what? Well, tell so, me so, why. It, tell me why it isn't. Okay, so it's the same thing. I forgot what like uh, what's it called? The Likert scale when you rank something from one to ten. Yeah, but what what's our qualifier here? What's the world we're, class? Well, well, well is he one the, of the right, ten so best? So no, that's not what we're saying. No, like when no, you no. when you say like oh on a scale of one to ten, um, how would you rank this or how would you rate this or you know like uh, how is how is your flight with this airline, like mm-hmm. on a one to 10, 10 being very satisfied, you know, those things. So what's, that's called a Likert scale, right? That, that's what I'm thinking of. I, anybody know? Okay. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the flaw with that is you say, okay, it was very good. So I gave it a 10, but then what happens when something is better than that is where, how do you rank that? Because yeah. if you rank it, you can't go higher than a 10. And if you give it a 10, then they're even. So the whole thing to me, like the whole world class thing is, if you if you put if you say Lacazette is world class, then you're putting him in the same category as Messi and Ronaldo. Is he Messi and Ronaldo? No, like there's no, no word. I... There's no word to describe really, really, really freaking good, but sub world class, and that's the problem. And and when you have players like Messi and Ronaldo, like then it's very hard to rank someone as to to say someone is world class, yeah. but. 
Well, yeah, okay, well, you know, we're, we're arguing about semantics. Here, yes, but, thank you. It is, but, we gotta but go. it is, but... Let's wrap this one up. Okay, but the, the, I think that Lacazette can be a fantastic striker in a, by the end of next season. But I mean, I already he, think he's fantastic, but, like, that's the problem is... Again, it's, yeah, it's... There's no class for it. Different names for the same thing, different it's just, things It's not world-class. No. Like, to me, it's not world-class, because if you do that, then... How is he, you know, he's not in the same class as Messi, Ronaldo. And I think there's Messi, Ronaldo, and maybe Lewandowski. And at midfield, there's two or three guys. And yeah, yeah, on but defense, I, there's like nobody. Yeah. I, 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 for my money, I would, I don't know. I would say there's Messi and Ronaldo. And then below them, there's world class. Like they're, you know, they're yeah. at the pinnacle on their own. Yeah. Can they, Wait, so can, can they, can they, can they, can those two just retire so we don't have to have this conversation anymore? <laughs> Um, so can anyone catch City? They have an eight point eight point lead now. I say that if they if they beat United, if United can keep if they can keep this gap, they don't they don't need to beat United. I know, but if they do, I feel like we can definitely call it quits on December tenth. Well, you know my thoughts. I know. It's but, you have any any team in the league has six weeks to catch City. Yeah. yeah. I feel the like championship race is a sprint. They have and a city. Got it. They have a very, I would say, comfortable Christmas season schedule too. They have Bournemouth, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, and Watford. Jesus. Two two of them, Bournemouth and Watford, are at home, and then Newcastle and Crystal Palace are away. Well, that's not yeah. too bad. Uh, but I mean, I mean, United United have to beat them. They they have to beat them. And then Spurs have to take points off of them. Who? Where's the game on December 10th? Old Trafford. Okay, so maybe United can beat them there. Yeah. So oh, before before we take our next break, we're going to talk quickly, very quickly, on that Chelsea and United game. Chelsea getting a one nothing win. Uh, Alvaro Morata with the lone goal in that one. And United under Mourinho... Zero wins in the last eleven away games against the top no, six. No, no, that's that's wrong. That's, that's wrong. Yes, okay. Mourinho. Mourinho. United okay. Chelsea. Okay. Uh, zero wins in his last eleven versus top six yeah. games. That's not very good. He, this this game just it all I have to say is it cemented his status as currently the most overrated manager in football. I think he once upon a time was a very good manager. He, you know. He found a way to look at football the way that it was being played because in the early 2000s, everybody kind of played the same way. Mm -hmm. And he exploited it. And he won the freaking Champions League with Porto. Porto. And then he went to Chelsea and it was like, buy me all the best players. And he exploited the Premier League by and got the most points because the Premier League hadn't, you know, he came in, dominated that because he found the exploitation more. Like he found the weakness and exploited it. And then the Premier League caught up. He gets he gets fired. So he goes somewhere else. And he went every, wherever he went. All of a sudden now it's, you know, remember, he won the Champions League with Porto. And then everywhere else where he's gone since then, it's been like, well, I need to buy the best players. At Inter, he got really good players in there. Oh, yeah. At Real Madrid, he bought the best players. At Chelsea, he started signing some, some expensive players. At United, he has certainly signed some expensive players. But he hasn't adapted to this thing, and the world's caught up to him, and he's not doing anything about it. Yep. And that's what happens. And you can't 
you can't set up and play for a draw in this day and age anymore because, and that's, you know, there were, there were times during the Sir Alex Ferguson years, especially in the later years where it was like, we wouldn't win at Anfield and we wouldn't win at Stamford Bridge, but we always went out there and tried to, and you played entertaining games and sometimes it really backfired and you lost big Yeah, and it sucked at the time, but watched entertaining games. They weren't entertaining if you were a United fan, but they were entertaining if you were a neutral or, or even a fan of the other team. Like, it's hard for me to sit there and say that Chelsea fans enjoyed this game. It was better than we thought it might be, but it wasn't an entertaining game. And Chelsea fans, yeah, you enjoyed getting the win, but wasn't it an enjoyable 90 minutes? No. No. <laughs> no <laughs> From it a wasn't. neutral perspective, no. Right. No, it wasn't. So, so like, it, at least, like, under, under Sir Alex Ferguson, like, you, you know, you played to try to win, and sometimes that blew up in your face. But if you play to get a draw, then the only outcomes possible are get a draw or lose. So why not play to win? And there's three outcomes possible. He's not doing that. And it's like, you can't sit here and tell me like, Oh, it's, it's because we don't have Pogba or like, well, you know, the, the, the Nemanja Matic under Herrera partnership doesn't really work. Well, if it doesn't work, then change it. And if that means starting Scott McTominay, who doesn't have a lot of experience, start him. Like, you, you you don't have to sit there. To me, he's like a manager of the, of the freaking New York Mets who only starts the expensive players because management sits there and tells him, hey, we're paying these guys millions of dollars to play. So they have to play. I, I get it that they suck and the rookies are better, but, like, we're not going to pay these guys to sit on the bench. Like, stop starting guys where you know the result is going to be dr- drastic. Yeah. How the hell – you have 18 slots on your on your team, and you couldn't find one for Juan Mata. And yeah, that's get that's, out of here. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, time for our second break. When we come back, we'll talk about the noobs and how well they are doing. So we'll be right back. Okay, it's time for our third and last segment of the show, and we're going to talk about the newcomers here as Brighton and Hove Albion sit in eighth place, Huddersfield Town in tenth, and Newcastle United in eleventh. So all of them playing, I would say, well above expectations, especially Brighton, who uh, got a nice one nothing win on the road against Swansea in their latest game. Glenn Murray with a lone goal in that one. Yeah, and it's not even it's not even just them. Like, look at the rest of the table. Like, who's in seventh? Who's right there with Arsenal? Burnley, Burnley, and and who's in ninth? Watford, and we discussed Watford the other the other day, and. Um, I know Watford did it in a in a different way. They came up to the Premier League and they they signed a bunch of guys. But I feel like this is just the right here: Burnley, Brighton, Watford, Huddersfield, Newcastle. That is the argument for continuity. Yes. At the same time, though, I I feel like their lack of um, how would you call it like really quality goal scoring could end up costing them in the end. Brighton are averaging for which team for all three of them. Brighton, they have 11 goals. Huddersfield have eight and Newcastle have 10. They've all done really well defensively though. Yeah. They've all done really well defensively and they're all taking advantage. So, so right here. All right, let's go right back to what I just said. Captain consistency right there. They're taking advantage of the fact that the rest of the league just stinks. And the rest of the league just stinks because they keep making changes because they keep thinking they can get better. 
this goes back to the West Ham thing. It's, it's you did so well, and now all of a sudden you want to improve, so you go bye bye bye, and that's not the way to do it. And like we do know that when Watford came up, they came up at the same time as as Bournemouth, and right, I believe so. I don't remember on top of my head. Whatever it was, it was they came up and it was like two of the teams decided, let's you know stick with the guys that got us here. Watford went, we're going to sign a lot of guys, but they signed a lot of guys that year, and they were okay but bad. They stayed up, and they they fired a bunch of managers. They've been a little bit quick on the trigger finger. We discussed this a couple weeks ago. They they set out to be the best team that's not in the top six. So. Uh, ipso facto seventh place and they kind of like so even so like after last year they kind of just stayed with that they the the players that they signed were like role players they didn't go out there to like reinvigorate the squad they just went we signed a bunch of guys two years ago and maybe it took them a while to settle in but now they're settling in let's leave them be you know Burnley who have they signed recently no one Brighton, Huddersfield, they came up. Newcastle, we spoke about it at the beginning of the season. Like, Newcastle are going to struggle because we thought they had better players in the championship than everybody else. And in the Premier League, they're going to meet their match. Maybe. But they also have played together. And now you look at the teams behind them, and it's, you know, Leicester have struggled since they tried to sign everybody after winning the title. Mm -hmm. Stoke have been rebuilding their team for like three years now. Everton signed a ton of guys. Bournemouth have brought in, you know, different outcasts from Premier League teams. West Ham signed a ton of players this season. Maybe it's just like, hey, let these guys play for a year or two together, and all of a sudden you can get some results. Yes. But I I always feel like you can (laughs) add, if you add a player that goes straight into your starting 11, you should do that. Well, all right, but wait. Now, what what kind of player are we adding? Well, especially goal scorers. Those are the most important yeah. ones, right, I would but, argue. All right, but there's an argument against that. Is Do you have to re- – Is does that goal score fit the way the rest of your team plays? Well, I mean, that is up to the scouts and everything to do that homework. Okay. Yeah, but, so, it's, also, right. but it's also – uh, uh, okay, you go ahead, Folly. No, you go ahead. You got it. Because I the other th- the other thing to consider is that yeah, I mean that that could be the final piece of the puzzle, right? But we're we're eleven matches into the season. We're looking at Burnley, as you pointed out, even on points with Arsenal. Like you you want to think you want to push ahead, challenge for those top places. But none of these teams are doing a Leicester, and Leicester didn't do a Leicester to you know use that phrase, which I think is fair, until they'd managed to fight to stay up in the Premiership the previous year. And I think that putting a goal scorer ahead of all of that, like these teams, the 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 real victory, and maybe call me cynical, the real victory is the payday of another Premier League season. And that is the launch pad from which you can actually try to build a campaign to quote-unquote do a Leicester. You're, you're absolutely right. And if you're Burnley, who maybe this is just the stigma that comes with the fact that your name is Burnley and you play in like an 11,000-seat stadium. Mm-hmm. But if you're Burnley, certainly if you're Brighton who just came up or Huddersfield who just came up or... I guess Newcastle has bigger ambitions, but either way, when you just come up, your goal 
is stand in Premier League. And yeah. the target, as always, is 40 points. And Burnley are one point shy of halfway there, and we've only played 11 games. And Huddersfield are there on 15, and we've only played 11 games. Newcastle are on 14, we've only played 11 games. So right there, like, they're, they're already way ahead of – way ahead of the curveball. So, yeah, do we think Burnley and, and Brighton are going to keep up this pace? Probably not. But if if those points are there for you early in the season, absolutely, like, you take them and, and you run with them. Yeah, of course you do. But, I mean, the th- we got to, I mean, if you look at Huddersfield, in their latest game, they started six players that, that they signed this summer. So, I mean, they have right, they sorry. have brought in players. They have right. They have brought in players, but it's also just it's don't it's bringing the right players. And what you said to go back to what you said is to bring in a goal scorer. That doesn't always work, right? Like what did what did United do last year? They brought in Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who is a world-renowned goal scorer, and they dropped in the table. And what did I sit there? What did I sit here screaming all year last year? Was yeah, he's really freaking good, and you could tell how good he is, especially late in games because of the way he defends set pieces. But he doesn't fit the freaking team. And what's my biggest fear this year is when he comes back, is the team's gonna have to change the way that, that he plays, especially if it coincides with when Pogba comes back. Now, if Pogba doesn't come back, then maybe Zlatan will help the team. But if Pogba does come back, Lukaku is a better fit for the team. You know, Zlatan, no one will ever deny his goal-scoring ability. So, if he doesn't, it, you could sign a player, but if he doesn't fit the freaking team, um, then it, it doesn't help you. And this is it, a couple weeks ago when I was in Washington, I was I was with one of my friends, and we we just kept discussing Mark Albrighton. And Mark Albrighton, when when Lester just Mark, Albrighton, no one will ever mistake Mark Albrighton for a really good winger. You know, there's a reason that Leicester players um, have gotten England call-ups since they became, you know, good and they won the league. There's not, there's a reason that Mark Albrighton was never even considered for the England team. He's just not good, but he was perfect for that Leicester team. So you can go out and buy a new winger. You know, they keep throwing Damari Gray out there. Damari Gray is a great player, but if it doesn't fit your team, then it doesn't help. So it's, yeah, obviously you're going to sign players with the money that you get in the Premier League, but that's also because you need fresh players. You you just need to be able to rest the player here and there. Yes. You need to make sure it, – it's, it's, it's so much valued on your scouting department to make sure yeah. that you sign the right guys. And, and I think it shows a lot that, you know, Brighton – their strike, their their goal scorers and their strikers, same as Huddersfield, are the same guys that they were last year, and it shows that Burnley and Watford, who or Burnley didn't never really sign guys, they kind of just stuck with the same the same team really, but they did bring in another striker to help out Sam Vokes, and Watford signed all those players years ago, but then or a year or two ago, but they've kind of just stuck with that team and said now you guys are going to gel together. And now we're going to let you run wild. Well, I feel like Burnley did a smart thing there to sidetrack. But, I mean, they, they brought in Chris Wood, who's a proven goal scorer in the championship. And, yeah, you can't expect him to produce at the same level in 
in the Premier League, but if you get half of what he was able to do in the championship, that's still really good. Right. You're exactly right. And they, But they also didn't bring him in to be a starter. This is what Burnley did with Chris Wood is pretty much exactly what we've been saying Spurs need to do with Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. And that's find another striker that we could bring off the bench yeah. or, or, or just let him play for a game when, when we need to rest Harry Kane. That's what Burnley did. Yeah, and I mean, having him in Vokes, you can alternate. I mean, if someone is on a hot streak, yeah, you play him. And then, yeah. Exactly. He has a really and, poor game. Okay, well, then we'll switch. I mean, like, 19 points through 11 games. That's got to be a Bur- That has to be a Burnley record. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to look it up. That's yeah. a Burnley record. Okay, so <laughs> let's steer the ship back to the newcomers, though. Uh, who do you think has the best possibility here to be the best of the newbies and do you feel like any any one of these are going to fall out and tank and possibly get relegated i mean i it's hard for me to say but i think i've I've got some i got some faith in the goals i think brighton are going to hold it out i think huddersfield i just feel like the lack of scoring is going to cost them in in the end all right, well, I think Newcastle will finish the best just because they have a manager that's been at the top before, mm-hmm. and he's getting a lot out of these players. I don't I, – I, I genuinely – I don't see any of them falling because none of them are even close to the relegation zone. And well, I think – Well, it's – but they're, they're still only six points away. Right, but, like, the whole, the whole league was, like, six points away last year. Yeah. Uh, like there's so many teams that have to, that they would have to drop below. That's also the thing. And, and other, and teams that are playing like garbage right now. Right. So, so that's, so one thing is I think David Wagner is good enough to like on a game by game basis, just get results, get the results that he needs. On the other side is the fact that you're looking at just some teams that are God terrible. Crystal palace is so bad. Uh, Swansea is awful. West Ham, David Moyes is not the answer. Uh, Bournemouth, they're really bad. Everton are really bad. They need to write the ship. Somehow West, uh, Brom, West have Brom less points than Everton. Yeah. Right. Somehow they have less points. So like right there, you're, like you're just looking at these teams that historically, you know, Palace is Palace. You know, you look at it and historically, you're like they're an up and down team. Swansea recently, you're just like, well, they've now. They've been in the league for what six, seven years, so they've kind of associated themselves with the league. Yes, West but Ham, I, I feel like Swansea. West Ham, you associate with the Premier League. Yes, West you do. Brom, you associate with them. Everton have been in the Premier League or in the top division longer than any other team. Um, yeah. No, I would. Know, you I would associate these teams there. I would be fine with all these three staying up. I think it's you know it's add some spice to everything, but a team like Swansea have deviated so far from their identity and the way they used to play. Swansea are not fun to watch anymore. Swansea used to be a really fun team to watch. This entirely goes back to it's, it's at a certain level of, of what I said about the manager, the managers of don't be too good too soon because then you have to improve. It's everybody stays in the Premier League. You know, like when you stay in the Premier League, when you come up, and you stay there. Now you're saying, well, we have to improve. And we have all this money. Like Elliot said, the pay, the, the benefit is the payday of a second season. And when you do that, you say, we have all this money. We need to sign players. Uh, you know, we finished 17th. Now it's finished 15th. And we finished 15th. Now it's finished 13th. And it's, 
and you keep signing guys because you need to. Because if you don't, your your season ticket holders are going to be like, whoa, what are we doing? But really, the key is, you know, the continuity. Is This is the team that got us here. All right, we added one or two guys to the, you know, 14 that we had. You don't want to go crazy and sign six new guys that are – you could sign six new guys that could fight for their place or, you know, you could sign one or two guys that are that walk in the starting 11 and four guys that fight for their place and push the guy that's already there and can replace him when you need to. But you don't want to sign seven guys who all of a sudden you're like, well, now we need to start them. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's the tightrope you have to walk. You don't have you shouldn't feel obligated to play a certain player just because you pay a lot of money for them. Uh, with that, though, we're going to say goodbye for this time. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin. Polly is P. Questel. Elliot is Keats was better. We'll talk to you again later in the week where we will focus all our energy on the World Cup qualifiers and the U.S. men's national team as they play a friendly against Portugal. So tune in later in the week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.